Well, when my husband and I got married, my parents gave us a very special treasured gift of a dining setting. And this dining setting, uh, this is a dinner plate from the dining setting. And uh, it is beautiful. It was chosen just for us. It was exactly what I wanted. It was, it's simple with a, a gold rim around the outside. It's classic. It'll go with everything. And they gave us the full set. There's a dining plate, a, a dinner plate. There's an entree plate. There's a bread and butter plate. There's a soup bowl, a dessert bowl. There's even accessories. There's matching uh, salt and pepper shakers. There's a matching gravy boat. There's serving platters. It was such a, an incredibly generous gift that was given to us by two very precious people, my parents. And when we got it home, I realised that with the gold trim around the edge, I couldn't put it in the microwave or in the dishwasher. And so incorporating it into the rest of my dinner sets was a little bit tricky and a bit clunky. But also, this was a gift that was given to me uh, that was given by someone so special and so precious that I didn't want it to be ruined. I didn't want to break a plate and have the set ruined. I didn't want to chip a bowl and therefore the, the whole set wouldn't be complete. And so I really struggled to, to use it. I struggled to incorporate it into the rest of our dining settings and into the, into the way that we were supposed to use it, which was around food and hospitality and fellowship around the table. And so I very carefully and delicately packaged every single one of the pieces and I put it in a styrofoam box which was nice and protected and safe and I taped it up and in fact in order for me to get this plate to use as my sermon illustration this morning, I had to climb up into our roof where we have some storage space to get it to bring it back down. It's precious, it's special, it was given by someone who loves me and I love them. And yet, instead of using it for what it was meant to be used for, for food and fellowship and hospitality. And let's be honest, a whole dinner party could be had with a five course meal. Instead, I've packaged it and put it away because it hasn't fully incorporated into my whole life. Today, as has already been mentioned, we are looking at the series, The Gift and the Gifts. We're looking at the Holy Spirit. And I have to admit that for myself, and as I look at us as a faith community, sometimes I think we treat the Holy Spirit in a similar way to how I treat my beautiful gift of a dining set. That 
in order to fully understand it and fully engage with the Holy Spirit. We don't know how to fully invest and engage the Holy Spirit with all the gifts that the Holy Spirit has for us. And so if we don't understand it, and if we don't know how to express it, we don't know how to engage with the Holy Spirit, we package it up nice, safe and securely, and we put it away for maybe a later time or a later season, or maybe for someone else, and it's not for us. It may not be the whole dinner setting that you pack away, but maybe there are particular things about the Holy Spirit that you're unsure about, that you struggle with, that you're not sure how that engages with your regular, everyday expression of faith. And so we package it away to be safe and secure so that we can be comfortable and so that we can continue doing life and faith how we've always done it before. Well, this series is a great opportunity for us to delve in and explore some of the parts of the Holy Spirit that I think particularly as one church and our history, we haven't looked into in a great deal. And today what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at it very much an overview of the Holy Spirit. And then as the series goes along, as Tim has mentioned, we're going to delve into particular gifts and expressions of worship of the Holy Spirit and look a little bit more about what that means, how we can be a part of that. And instead of packaging it away for someone else or if we're not comfortable to actually explore it and be open to engaging it. To begin with, looking at the Spirit... We often think of the Spirit as a breath or a wind it's often expressed. In the Old Testament, the word for the Spirit is ruach. It's an energy. And in doing so, often we think of the Spirit maybe as some kind of movement, maybe the force within us. And it has this kind of mystical idea to it. And we, we struggle to fully engage with the Spirit as we might engage with maybe God the Father or God the Son. We acknowledge God is the Holy Spirit as well, but we're not sure what that looks like and how we engage with it. In fact, when Jesus spoke in Matthew, in Matthew 28, After Jesus' death, his resurrection, as he was sending the disciples out with their great purpose, we call it the Great Commission. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, without having a full sermon on the Trinity here, let me just emphasize that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person of God just as much as God the Father and God the Son. In fact, they work in unity, in community. They are constantly engaged and constantly heading towards the same purpose. And so therefore, if we engage in God the Father, if we engage with God the Son, so too 
To get the entirety of God, must we engage with God, the Holy Spirit? Now, I know for me, growing up in a church that hardly spoke about the Holy Spirit at all, certainly didn't explore and express many of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This might be new for you as it is for me. For some, this might be, oh, Linda's just saying what we already knew. And that's fine. We're all going together on this journey. But I think when we think of God the Father, we can have an understanding of how a father interacts with their child, how, how a father loves and engages their child. When we think of God the Son, we, we can read all about the life of Jesus Christ. We can understand how he interacted with people here on earth, how he loved and taught and guided and, and healed people. We can have that understanding. But often when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there is less understanding for us as to how we are to engage. And particularly when we think of you know, the Holy Spirit like this energy or a force, then it's harder for us to kind of tangibly grapple with. And so I wanna encourage you to think just as we think of God the Father and the God the Son as a person, also to think of God the Holy Spirit as a person, someone you would have relationship with, someone you would engage with and interact with. That just as God is a person, uh, God the Father is a person of God, that the Son is a person within the Trinity, so true is the Holy Spirit a person within the Trinity. And just as you and I would engage with each other in relationship, with people that you know, with those you love, and you would engage with them and commune with them and discuss things with them, so too do we want to start having that same relationship with the Holy Spirit. A loving, mutual, engaging relationship just as you would with another person, just as we think of the Father and the Son. So what does that mean for us as a church? How do we as a church, as a faith community, engage with the Holy Spirit in that way? Well, there are two kind of different focuses people, uh, churches might have. And it is thought that a church is either very focused on the word or a church is much more leaning and focused towards the spirit. And at the extremes, these two churches look quite different in their expression. They can still be you know, faith-filled um, you know, churches, Christian churches who are desiring to be just like you know, Jesus has taught us to be. But their leaning one way or the other can mean that the expression of what that church looks like is very different. And I would hazard a guess that it would probably only take you about five minutes within a worship service of either of these services for you to be able to pick up pretty quickly which way a church leans. Now, a church that leans towards the word 
It's a biblically-based church. It's a church that loves delving into the Scriptures, exploring all that the Scriptures have. The, uh, the sermons would probably be, you know, deep. We call them exegetical sermons where you dig into a, a, a passage of Scripture, understand the context, what it's saying to the people at the time, what it's saying to us, how we can live that out. And explores more and more what the Bible is saying. Even their worship might be more psalms and hymns. So literally scripture taken and put into song. Put, you know, instruments and instrumentals behind it, but still these scripture, heavily scripted songs and worship songs. And often these types of churches, in their expression, it's more controlled, it's more understood. If you come to that service, you know exactly what to expect. If you were to come the next week, it would look the same and feel the same, and they would continue to explore different passages in Scripture. Then a spirit-focused church. On the other extreme looks quite different. It might be louder. It might be noisier. Their, their, their worship might be longer. Instead of, you know, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, end, it might be chorus, verse, chorus, verse, bridge, verse, bridge, verse, chorus, 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 bit of instrumental, bit more chorus. Is it ever going to end? Not sure, right? <laughs> you know. You never quite know what's going to happen in the service. It depends on where the Spirit leads. Other people might be involved in the service as well because the Holy Spirit speaks to different people at different times in different ways for different people. And so at the extremes, a church that is very focused towards the Word can look and be expressed very differently to how a worship service of a church that is focused on the Spirit can look like. A church that's focused on the Spirit. You're not putting your lamb roast in the oven before you come to church because you don't know when you're going to get home. Right? There's flexibility. There's change. But the crazy thing is, when we look at these two things separately, when we separate the Word from the Spirit, we're... It's actually something that cannot be done because in actual fact, the Word and the Spirit work together for the same purpose and that is to point us to Jesus. If you read the Word all the way from the Old Testament to the New, it is constantly pointing us to Jesus. All the way through the Old Testament, the, the Old Testament is talking about the Messiah that is to come, the one who is going to come and redeem the world. And in the New Testament, we learn all about who Jesus was, how He truly was and is the Messiah, how He changed the world as we knew it, how those who followed him and believed him, how they lived their lives and went on to act in such a way that Jesus had called them to live. So too does the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to point us to Jesus, to understand who we have been created to be 
and how we can live more like Jesus. Can we see how these two things are actually working towards the same purpose? In John 15, Jesus said, when the advocate comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to testify to us about Jesus Christ for the purpose so that we can live more like Jesus. If you read the word, you can't help but read more about who Jesus is and who the Messiah is for us today. If you are open to the Holy Spirit, you won't be able to help but constantly have your eyes turned to Jesus and how we are to live today to be more like Jesus. The two are entwined. It would be crazy and ridiculous to have one without the other. And so as we look at ourselves as one church, as a faith community that expresses our faith in being more like Jesus in our community, in our families, in our world today, we don't want to be a church that just focuses on the word although the word is essential. We don't wanna be a church that just is open to what the spirit is saying and where the spirit is guiding, although that is essential as well. We want to be a word and spirit church because why would we miss out on one? Why would we lean towards one and not the other when we actually can have both? And that both, in their different ways, are pointing us to Jesus, who he is, who he has created us to be, and how we can live more like Jesus in our world today. So I'm going to put it out there. I think as an expression of faith, we probably lean more towards a word church than a spirit church. And we have been more open and moving more gradually to combining the two and enjoying and experiencing and engaging with both. So let's look into the word that we love, that we engage with, that we explore, and look at what the word says about the spirit. Now, in light of us all wanting to get home for an evening meal tonight, I have limited my Bible passages to just a couple. So this is not the fullness of the Holy Spirit, just a few ways that the Old Testament and the New Testament talks about the Holy Spirit. Now, the Old Testament talks about the Holy Spirit in a different way because in the, in the Old Testament, we hear of how the Holy Spirit just met with people or situations for a particular time and for a particular purpose. So let's have a look at a couple of passages in the Old Testament in how the Holy Spirit uh, is involved. So in Exodus, we read about the Israelites who uh, had come out of slavery and uh, were forming a new nation. And they were creating um, 
I guess, spiritual ways of expressing and exploring faith. And they were creating the tabernacle, sacred elements to help them worship and connect with God. And in doing so, in creating this, we read in Exodus 31, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. The Spirit came onto Bezalel and brought creativity and imagination and things that they had never thought of and worked with and explored before, such a gift of creativity that was brought to Bezalel and their workers. The Spirit of God also came when we read in Judges to give leadership. Gideon and the Israelites were being absolutely pummeled by the Amorites and they were hiding out in caves. They were literally hiding from them and trying to get any food that they could have to survive away from them. But the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blew a trumpet summoning the Abazites so to follow him. And Gideon took them and with just 300 people, defeated a whole army in order for them to reclaim their land and reclaim their nation. Amazing things happened when the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon in leadership. We also have in the Old Testament interpretation. Daniel, who was uh, taken into exile, into Babylon, he was in a foreign land with foreign people, with a foreign leader and many foreign gods, but he held to the one true God. But the foreign king knew about Daniel and what he did and who he worshipped. And the king himself said, this is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, which was the foreign name that they gave to Daniel, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. These are just some ways in the Old Testament that we hear about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on people for a time, the gifts that they have, to point people towards the one true God. Now, there is much also said in the New Testament. Again, I'm just going to pick a couple. So many different ways. But the New Testament speaks differently of the Holy Spirit because when Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit, he speaks of when the Holy Spirit is going to come and dwell and we see it in on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus' death, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven. We have the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes on the believers. And the move of God comes in such a different way. And we live in the post-Pentecost world where we believe that the Holy Spirit can come on each of us. And every single believer can experience the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So what does that look like? Jesus said 
in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit, when it came and, uh, and we hear, read about it in the New Testament, called people to evangelism. In Acts 8.29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And when Philip was near it, he heard someone reading the scriptures, but not understanding it. And because Philip had been obedient to the Holy Spirit, he was able to talk to that person and unpack it, help them understand that Jesus was the Messiah, that the, the scripture was talking about, and there and then the person was baptized. The Holy Spirit spurs us towards evangelism. Not only that, but the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. In Romans 8.26, it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Have you ever been in that place where you feel so bereft or so grief-stricken or just at the end of your tether. You don't even have the words to pray, what to say or how to speak. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to intercede for us. The Holy Spirit is also given to us to give us words when we don't have the words. In 1 Corinthians 2.13, it says, This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. So many different ways, so many different expressions. These are just a few of how our lives are different and how they can be changed when we truly engage and we are willing to get into a relationship with the Holy Spirit. When so often we wanna pack it up nice and neatly, put it away so it's, we can control it, so we know exactly what's gonna happen, how we're gonna react, what worship is gonna look like. But that is not what the New Testament church looked like. That is not what the church that we read about in the New Testament was truly like. Andrew Wilson, who's a UK pastor uh, and a writer, says this, the early church was a charismatic community. Of that, there can be no doubt. From the day of Pentecost onward, the book of Acts is a story of Holy Spirit breakthrough, speaking in other languages, prophesying, healing, casting out demons, angelic encounters, miraculous prison breakouts, visions, dreams, evangelistic preaching, buildings shaking, the dead being supernaturally brought to life, and on occasion, the living being supernaturally brought to death, boldness in the face of persecution, joy, and even one story of teleportation. It's in our word. It's in the Bible. This early church, after Pentecost, so filled with the Holy Spirit, 
we people come to faith and believe in the power and the goodness of God when they hear these stories. And this is the type of church that if we truly want to be a church well embedded in the word, that we believe these stories. Therefore, if we want to be a church well embedded in the spirit, that we are open to a movement that goes beyond our understanding and even beyond our previous experience. We don't want to be a church that just is a word church or that is just a spirit church. We want to be a church that is open to engage in both. And so what does that look like? What, how do we express that as a faith community? Because as the Holy Spirit engages with each of us differently, so too we come and form the one church, the one faith community. We can be so much more powerful and so much more focused on God when we work together rather than when we do things on our own. So what does it look like? There are three things that I want to look at of what it can look like and how we can come to being a church that focuses on word and spirit together. The first one is to have an ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit. To every day and in every service, being open to that ongoing relationship that we have. Just like we will, uh, in, in church, we will always open the Bible and explore what the Bible has to say. That within our services and within our church services, we can also be open to hear what the Spirit has to say. To have that ongoing openness and engagement, not just of the Word, but of the Spirit as well. And then even in our own personal faith journeys. So often we will say, you know, the Bible just shouldn't be open just on a Sunday. How are we you know, engaging in our spiritual disciplines all throughout the week? We try to put time aside to read the Bible, to spend time in prayer. How about we put time aside to engage in an ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit? What would that look like? How would our lives be different if on an ongoing basis, not only were we opening the word of God, but we were also willing to stop and be still and to engage with the spirit. Just as in a loving relationship, you will spend time, you will prioritize that time, you will make sure that you communicate, that you do things together, that you spend time, that you talk to each other. So too does the Holy Spirit desire to have that ongoing relationship with you. Not just when we're here in church and we have the time and the space, but we, being willing to put that time aside in our daily lives as well as in our corporate worship to openly engage with the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit has to say to us personally and say to us as a faith community. 
The second thing about the Holy Spirit that is important for us to remember as a faith community, when this might seem all a bit much and a bit different, is that the Holy Spirit wants the best for us. The Holy Spirit wants what is best for us. When we read about Jesus and how he lived on earth, he was always striving for what was best for the people, to bring them into a closer, greater understanding of who God is. He healed, he spoke, he taught, he loved, he accepted. Every interaction he had with people was to help them to be the best that they could be, which was in a loving relationship with God. If that's what Jesus wants, then that's what the Holy Spirit wants as well. Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And if that's what Jesus wants, that's what the Holy Spirit wants for us as well, to have life and have it to the full. And that does not mean a life that is filled with all the things that the world tells us are good and positive, that we need success, that we need money, that we need popularity, that we need to be perfect and excellent at everything no, the Holy Spirit wants what's best for us. For when we are in a loving relationship with God, when we are living out our lives to be more like Jesus, that is the best place that we can be. And if we read and listen to the fruits of the Spirit, all of those fruits are things that help us to live more like Jesus. Galatians 5 outlines it starting from verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. When we live, when we have an ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit, when we truly engage and desire the best for us, which is what is best the Holy Spirit has that is best for us. That is when we start living out these fruits of the Spirit of love and joy and peace. And we start putting off the things of the flesh, which is our own personal passions and desires, when we become selfish and conceited and when we envy other people, we put those off, which is only to kill and destroy, but... We step into a life of the spirit of love and peace and goodness and faithfulness. And we live out who God has called us to be, a life that looks more like Jesus than our own selfish desires. When we as a church community desire to engage fully with the spirit, 
We engage in an ongoing relationship within our services as well as within our personal lives. That we start living out the fruit of the Spirit, which is the best that God has for us and desires for us to live. But the third point, let's be honest, when we start doing those things, things can get messy. Things can get out of our control. Now, can I just for a moment speak to my fellow control freaks out there? And can I say, you are in very good company? Because just like I might have wrapped up my dinner set to keep it nice and safe and secure and controlled up in my roof, I know that many times in my faith life, I have done the exact same thing, particularly when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Because I am a person who loves a to-do list. I love to tick those things off and know that it's done. I like things in boxes, in calendars. I like order. I like control. You just have to come in and look at my fridge in my house and know that I like a certain place for everything because then it's neat and tidy and I can control it and I know exactly how it works. But that is not the fullness of life. That is not, as I hate to say it, the fullness of every way that I can live to be ordered and structured. I end up missing out on things and communion and interaction and allowing other people to speak into my life if I just want it controlled and clean and ordered. John Wimber, who uh, was the leader of the Vineyard Movement, says this, church isn't about being neat and tidy. That's what the graveyard is for. Life is oftentimes found in mess. The nursery is messy and noisy, but that's where all the life is. So often we want things ordered and controlled. And yet the nursery or us in Australia would say the kindergarten, the kindergarten can get messy. It can be a little crazy. It's noisy. But it is creative and those kids are exploring and they're branching out and they're learning new things. Now, Let's just say, we don't just throw the kids in the one room and then just back out quietly and quickly close the door, right? This isn't some kind of Lord of the Flies experiment that we want going on here. Within the nursery, within the kindergarten, there are teachers, there are leaders, there are people who have been in kindergarten before, grown up and are now coming back to teach and lead and go guide those who are in kindergarten. There are people who are trusted, who parents would trust their children into the kindergarten. There are people who have been trained, who have understandings, who have wisdom, who have experience that are within that room to guide and to love and to care. 
But within that environment, there is the flexibility and the space and the room to be creative and to be noisy and to explore and to see what life and creativity can lead to. And so often as a faith community, yes, there needs to be orders of service and, you know, everyone involved and rosters and things like that. But we want to lean more into some creativity, even if it may seem a little messy. Now, can I just say that we will not always get it right? That when things get messy, they don't always end in a perfect, with, you know, beautiful, crafted, bow on the top ending. But we would rather be open to engage with what the Holy Spirit has to us and maybe sometimes get it wrong than to wrap the Holy Spirit up and put him in the roof in storage so that we miss out on the breadth of all that God has in store for us. Now you might think, but if that happens, what if a seeker comes in? What if someone who's not a part of our faith community comes in and it's maybe a little noisier than what they're used to? Maybe we're singing in a different way than what, we use, what they might be used to. And we are mindful of that. We are understanding that there are people in this room who I don't know and that have come from different expressions of faith and life. But can I tell you that a couple of Saturdays ago, I sat around a restaurant table with some friends of mine who were old kinder mums. And we had an open and honest conversation that someone initiated about a medium, about going to see a medium who would help them connect with someone from their past and someone who would connect into the spiritual world to help them understand their life and their family as it is now. It was a respectful conversation. People had lots of different thoughts and feelings and, and uh, experiences of that. And I think if I can have that conversation, a group of people, believers and non-believers alike, can have that conversation in a restaurant somewhere, surely we too can have a conversation and explore what the Spirit, the true Spirit, the Spirit who wants a relationship with us, the Spirit who wants what is best for us, the Spirit who is helping to lead us into the best life possible. Surely that is an open, respectful experience and conversation that we can have as a faith community, no matter who is in the room. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Let us not box God up into what we are previously comfortable with. 
but let us be open to all that God is through his Holy Spirit and how we can truly engage and explore the breadth and the width and the depth and the height and the love that God has for us through the incredible gift and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So in conclusion, what does that look like for us? Well, can I encourage you in your own personal faith journey? As I said before, put time aside to be open to the Holy Spirit. Any of the things we've talked about, wisdom, interpretation, guidance, leadership, um, acceptance, all these different gifts, the, the joy, the love, the peace, any of those things that we need in our lives, we can ask the Holy Spirit for it. Whether we're here in church or you're at home. And the big communal thing may not be the, the thing for you. Well, make sure that in your own personal life, in your personal faith journey, that you are doing that because the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit wants that ongoing relationship with us. All we have to do is be open and ask. In Luke 11, Jesus said, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And so today, even as a, a, a faith community, we're going to just take a couple of minutes to do that now. So can I encourage everyone who is able and comfortable to stand with me? And I'm going to invite the band uh, up on the platform. We are just going to spend a couple of minutes asking for the Holy Spirit. This might be something you're really comfortable with, you're really familiar with, that you often ask the Holy Spirit into your life. But let's be honest, life can get busy and our routines can get crazy. So why not? Let's take this opportunity within our worship service to be still and ask the Holy Spirit to come and be with us. This is maybe something new for you, something you don't do often or you've never done before. There are no special fancy words that you need to have. There is nothing that you need to know, nothing extra. You don't need to you know, understand Genesis to Revelation. We just need to be open, believing that the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is a gift for every single person. Anyone who wants to know more about Jesus, to know more about how Jesus has created us and who wants to live more like Jesus in their lives. This is a chance just for us to say, Holy Spirit, come into our lives. Give us that wisdom. Give us that guidance. Maybe there's something that you've come today that you would desire an answer to, you would desire guidance for, that you want God to answer you, this is an opportunity. Holy Spirit, come, speak to us, fill us, 
guide us, help us to be more like Jesus in how we live in our families, in our neighbourhoods, in our world. And we might express that in, we might say different words that we're not used to saying. The Holy Spirit might speak to us in a way that He's never spoken to us before. People can sing, people can laugh. There's so many different expressions of the Holy Spirit. We're just gonna take a couple of minutes to be still. If you're comfortable, you can open your hands as a sign of invitation. And we just say, Holy Spirit, come. Meet each of us where we are at. You know us, you love us, you desire the best for us. Whatever we need to hear, God, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Lord God, we thank You for Your gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank You that You desire the best for us and so that You have given us the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to convict us, to overflow us with joy and peace and faithfulness. God, we just pray that You will reveal to us the Holy Spirit in a real, tangible, personal way. And that Holy Spirit, as You speak to us individually, that we as a whole church community will be open, not just for our own personal comfort, our own personal expression, but we will learn more about You through hearing the expressions through other people and how You move through other people's lives as well. That collectively, we are so much greater in understanding who You are than just being isolated on our own. Holy Spirit, we pray that You will continue to work in our church, that You will meet with us, that You will guide us, that we will be so filled with the Holy Spirit that we can't help but be more like Jesus every single day in our own lives, in our family, in our neighbourhoods, in our city and in our world. Holy Spirit, come. Not just here on a Sunday, 
but on a Monday and every single day, come into our lives. May we be open. May our hearts and our minds and our lives be open so that we may be so filled with You, Holy Spirit, that we walk in Your way, in the best way that we can live. We pray this in Jesus' mighty Name. Amen.